Giving. It's one of the most exciting things that I like to talk about. The reason why I love it is because I think it changes us. I'm less concerned about what happens, but more about our hearts, what happens. And I've seen over and over again that as people think about giving in their lives, in relation to their faith, things begin to change. But I haven't always felt this way. I remember, actually, as a fresher turning up to uni, I remember persuading a friend to come with me to church, which took quite a lot of persuasion on my first Sunday. And I turned up at this church, and they announced at the beginning that it was Giving Sunday. And my heart sank. I just thought, oh, of all the Sundays to have Giving Sunday, it's freshers. Why would you do it now? I brought a friend. This is terrible. And I actually got, began to get quite angry. I sort of thought, well, this is ridiculous. And I felt this sort of anger raging inside me. You may be feeling that right now. I don't know. But I was feeling this anger. And I just thought, I got more and more frustrated. And I didn't really listen to anything that was happening in the service. And I just, the anger built up and built up. And I remember thinking, why on earth would you be talking about giving? You could be talking about anything else. You could talk about faith. You know, everyone cares about that. You could be talking about prayer. We should be praying. That'd be far more interesting. Why are you talking? about this now. And gradually, as my anger dissipated and the fog, red fog lifted, the mist lifted, I began to listen to what was being said. And as I did, something began to change in me. You know, the guy was talking about treasure in your heart. He was talking about Jesus, who said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He said, what God is concerned about is your heart. I thought, okay. And then he began to talk about Jesus and Jesus' teaching. Did you know that at the heart of Jesus' teaching is giving? It's the topic that he talks about more than any other topic in the whole of the New Testament. 16 of the 38 parables are about money and possessions. Six of the Gospels are about money and possessions. Uh, 500 verses in the Bible are about prayer. 500 verses in the Bible about faith. If you look for possessions and money and giving, how many verses are there? 2,000 verses. And it suddenly struck me. Why would Jesus' teaching on giving not be every bit as liberating and life-giving and transformative as everything else that he talked about? So I began to listen more. And that's what happened with Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a bit of a change of heart. In fact, the whole of the community. Now, what they did when they first started was they prayed. We'd established that. Then they built, then they built the walls. But once the walls were finished, they thought, there's no point in having walls if there's no city. We should build the city inside it. But then they thought, well, there's no point in having a city if we don't build the temple in the center to represent the worship of God. And then they thought, there's no point in building a temple to worship God if we're not worshiping God already in our hearts. And so they decided, first and foremost, to worship, to put their hearts right before God. And that is what we're trying to do in this season, of coming back, rebuilding. First and foremost, the Lord, all he wants is your heart. That's all he really cares about. And we, we sort of talk about that, don't we? We say, you know, Put your money where your mouth is. Jesus didn't say that. He said, where your 
treasure is, there your heart is. Where your money is, your heart is. Your heart and your money are linked. And so in chapter 10, those verses that Noah read for us earlier, they decide that expression of their worship to God is to give. So verse 32, we assume responsibility for carrying out the command to give. We also assume responsibility for bringing to the house the first fruits of the crops. Moreover, we will bring the tithe into the storeroom of the house of our God. 39, we will not neglect the house of our God. Worship and giving are completely aligned. So God is primarily concerned about your heart. He's concerned about your finances because he's concerned about your heart. Not because he needs your money. God's got enough money. What he wants is your heart. But out of our hearts flows our giving. Many years ago, I I went on a date with a girl. And we'd had a a sort of coffee, sort of pre-date. It wasn't really a date. No one really defined what it was. But anyway, we decided I'd invited her for an actual date in a pub, and we thought we'd go for a drink after work. And it was a beautiful summer's evening. We were outside, and uh, we had a drink. And then I sort of said to her, you know, what would you like to drink? And she said, I'm um, lime and soda. And so I thought, that's, that's quite cheap. That's, um, that's a bonus. Um, so it's really, I'm really, I'm really a cheapskate, basically. So I, then I went, I, got, I, I thought, I'll get a lime and soda as well. So I got two limes and soda, and we had a good drink. And I was sort of thinking, well, we'll see how this goes. But after a while, like, the conversation was really flowing. I was really enjoying it. Um, and also, she was finding me interesting, which is always a bonus. And she was finding me funny. I was finding her funny. She was even funnier than I was. I know that's hard to believe. And she was, uh, I really enjoyed this, this conversation. I just thought, I'm re- I don't want this date to end. And the time was racing away. We had another lime and soda, really going crazy. And, um, and we sort of, but it was almost closing time. And then, and then I thought, I don't want this to end. And then I noticed that there was someone standing behind her with a musical instrument on her, on her back. And I said, why are there, there's quite a few of you guys with musical instruments. What are you doing? And, she, and this, this lady said, oh, we're just about to go and play. Uh, we are the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. We're about to go and play at the Albert Hall around the corner for the proms. And in my head, I thought, I wonder whether we could go. I just thought, what can we do? Well, let's extend this date. So I said, do you think I can get tickets? They said, well, they're probably all gone. I said, well, let's have a go. So I'd, we went up to the Albert Hall, and I went inside. I said, wait here. Went inside, got, got uh, to the booth, and I said, have you got any tickets? And they said, well, yeah, we've got a couple of quite expensive ones. Are you happy with that? I was like, yes, I don't care. I do not care. Give me any tickets you've got. So I ran outside. I've got, got tickets. Let's go in. Uh, great seats. I said, wait there. I'm going to get a drink. I went off to the bar, and I got some proper drinks and I brought them back and uh, we just had a great and we were chatting the whole time it's been so annoying for the other people around us and we didn't really listen to the music we loved the atmosphere we're just having such a good time that was Wednesday the 23rd of July 2014 Uh, seven years one month 28 days later that girl is now my wife Jill which is a good news end story be awkward if it wasn't wouldn't it anyway (laughs) But at the po- I didn't know at that point she was going to be my wife. I didn't know where it was going. Imagine if I'd said, you know, after when she'd, you know, uh, we'd, got, we'd got the option to go there, I'd thought, 
I said, oh, wow, awkward. It's it's quite a lot of money, and I'm saving up some new trainers, so uh, probably not. It probably wouldn't have gone to a second date, would it? If I'd said to her, oh, you know, I'm not sure I really want to invest at this early stage of the relationship. I kind of want to have a bit more security about what's going to happen further forward before I invest some cash in this relationship. That wouldn't have gone very well either. I didn't say that. Why? Because my heart was captivated. My heart had been grabbed hold of. I thought, I don't want to let this go. I don't want to let this girl go. And my, my finances followed my heart. And that's what Jesus says. Your, your heart will overflow in giving. Your money follows your heart. If you want to know where your heart is, look at your bank statement. It does not lie. That is where your heart is. God wants your heart. That's what it's all about. That's why worship is so important, because as we worship God as we were today, our hearts come alive to him again. So if God wants your heart, and that overflows in our giving, how do we give? How do you go about it? Well, actually, Nehemiah's got some excellent tips in there, in those verses. I just want to pull out, last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of mnemonics, and I haven't failed you again. I've got another mnemonic, G-I-V-E. How do we give? G, generously. Generously. If you look before chapter 10, in chapter 9, there's this amazing prayer. And the, basically all of the, those who have been building the walls from every walk of life, nobles through to craftsmen, they all gather together and they decide to dedicate themselves to the Lord and they start praying. And there's a phrase in chapter 9 that's repeated 10 times in one chapter. And it's two words. You gave. You gave. You gave. You gave life to everything. You gave regulations for our good. You gave bread when we were hungry. You gave water to satisfy our thirst. You gave possession of the land. You gave us your Holy Spirit. In other words, God, you are so generous. You've given us all these things. Generosity starts in our hearts when we realize the generosity of our God, who loves us. And ultimately, they didn't know this in Nehemiah's time, but he gave himself. God gave himself in the person of Jesus for you, for me. That's sacrificial love. That's the ultimate generosity. So all of our giving comes from the generosity of God. We give generously because we worship a generous God. That's what they realize here in Nehemiah. And you know what? You have got resources, talents, skills, experience. You may think, well, all of those have come. I've worked hard for my money. I've done all that stuff myself. But where did those talents and gifts come from? God has given you all that you have. And therefore, to give back to him is just a reflection of his generosity. In fact, those, those things you've been given have been entrusted to you just for a few decades. We're not alive for that long. A few decades of your resources. Can you entrust them back to God and say, Lord, they're all yours. I want to do whatever you want to do. It's less, what should I give of God's? What, what, uh, what should I give to God of what is mine? But more... What should I keep of what already belongs to God? 
I used to work um, before I was ordained in corporate training. So I used to run training companies, uh, training programs for companies. Uh, I worked in Paris and I'm London for a while. And I, I wasn't earning loads of money, but I was doing okay. And then I felt God calling me into ordination in the Church of England. And to do that, I had to become a student again. I went to Oxford and studied theology for three years. And I found that really difficult. I was used to having you know, money to spend on things. Suddenly, I had some, <laughs> almost none. If anyone who's an ordinary there will know that. And, and I found it really difficult. But you know, I, it wasn't too bad. I mean, I didn't have a family. I was very lucky at that stage. But I remember we used to go for a drink um, once a week, all of these sort of trainee vicars. You can imagine it was quite an interesting group of people. Um, but we, we basically we used to go for one drink, you know, just one, and, um, we would, but someone would buy the round. And after a few weeks, someone said, to, uh, this guy, Tim, who's, who's actually, I'm, I'm, um, I, I'm godfather to their, their child. Uh, he's a great friend. But he turned to me and he said, I've noticed you haven't bought a round. Do you, do, you, do you buy rounds? Are you, are you struggling financially? I said, no, no, it's fine. He said, or are you just tight? <laughs> I was like, whoa, Tim. He's quite straight talking. And I thought, no, of course I'm not. Of course I'm not. But actually, the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, I've got into a mindset where I think I haven't got enough money, and therefore I can't really spend any money. And it's interestingly that gradually over time, that can happen to us. We can sort of think, well, I haven't got very much, so I can't really give at all. Is to hold on to all of it. But actually, if we hold on to all of, that, all of it, it doesn't do us any good. God knows that to give is to flourish, to be healthy. And that's why he says a, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. He says, sow generously, give away generously, and you'll receive generously. The way to find liberation in your finances is to let go, to not hold on. And God will bless you. So, generous is the first G. Secondly, I, intentionally. I, intentionally. At 10.35 of the passage, we assume responsibility for bringing into the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of the crop. We will bring in the tithe. You might think, well, what is all that about? Now, there are lots of different ways to give. And in the Old Testament, the Old Testament law was tithing, which is to give the first 10%, not any 10%, but the first 10% of all that was gathered in in the harvest to give it back to God. And um, that was a principle. Now, we don't live in the Old Testament. We don't live under the Old Covenant. We're free. So you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. But Jesus, interestingly, refers to tithing, assuming that people are doing it when he talks about giving. But actually, he goes so much further. He sort of says... Everything belongs to God. So be free with your, your generosity. Now, I actually find that 10% is a really helpful thing for me. That's a great starting point. If you're not sure how much to give, it's a great thing. To, so what I tend to do is if I know, if I decide I'm going to give 10% of what comes in uh, back to God, to the church, then uh, it tends to be that I hit that. If I say, well, and sometimes I go over that. But if I say, well, I'll just sort of see what happens, I, every single time, I always go below that. I've just noticed that for myself. I remember uh, as a graduate, so I'd just finished university, I moved to London, and um, I have a sort of bit of a knack of this, but I went to a church, and the first Sunday, it was on giving again. And I just thought, for goodness sake. But I remember thinking, you know what, I want to give out of what I've 
got. And I had some money coming in a little bit as a graduate. And I just thought, okay, that's it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give 10%. And then I found myself asking questions. Do you ever find yourself commit to something and then these questions begin to come? The question, first question was, well, actually, I haven't got that much. Next year, I'll probably earn a little bit more. So maybe I'll just do it next year. And then the other question that came in was, actually, it's so complicated, isn't it? Thinking about giving. I mean, should it be gross or net? It's almost too complicated to think about. Should it be income or capital? No one's told me what the answer to these things is. Maybe I shouldn't do it at all. Is it this calendar year or this financial year? No clarity. Maybe I shouldn't give. I began to think of all these things. And then I started looking around the church that I was part of, and I thought, well, if I give it to them, you know, what are they going to spend it on? And maybe they'll spend it on really bad stuff. Maybe they'll spend it on flowers. I don't want my money spent on flowers. And I remember looking, I had a friend who worked for the church, and I thought, I know she works hard, but sometimes she sort of, I see her just chatting, and maybe she's not working that hard. Maybe it's, not, maybe it's not a great investment. It's absolutely not true, but it's amazing what goes through your mind, isn't it? But you know what? I decided in the end, I'm just going to do it. And once, this is the thing, once I decided to give, I didn't think about it again. I just thought, great, it's done. It's a choice. If you plan to give intentionally, it's the best way to do it. You could do it monthly, it's really helpful, but you don't have to do that. The main thing is to say, Lord, I want to intentionally choose to give to you. V. V is for voluntarily. V is for voluntarily. Uh, Verse 37 says, Moreover, we will bring into the storeroom the first of our gifts. In other words, they go beyond what was required. Tithe was the requirement, and then they go beyond it. They voluntarily say, you know what? We can see the need. We see there's so much need in this place. We want to give. We'll sign up. Sign us up. We want to help. And you know what? The impact that your giving makes, you might not even see. In fact, probably you won't. But I am so grateful when I've received other people's generosity. I'd love to meet those who financially supported the youth work that went on when I was at school. If it hadn't been for that Christian youth work, I probably wouldn't be a Christian right now. I'd love to meet those people. I don't know who they are. When I was at university, I wish I could meet the people who funded the small groups that I was part of in both the CU and my church. Because without that, I definitely wouldn't have carried on in my faith at university. I'd love to meet uh, the people who financed Alpha when I arrived in London. And I managed to bring two friends along. And they both became Christians. And they've been Christians ever since. But I couldn't have done that on my own. Those people gave so that I could benefit and they could benefit. You know, I can't wait to get to heaven and to find those people, to track them down, say, thank you. You transformed my life. You have no idea what impact you had. And that's what happens with your giving. This, uh, three weeks ago, I got a text from some, a, a number I didn't recognize. And uh, it said, um, this is exactly what it said. I've written it down. I don't know if you remember me. I came to Alpha and came on the Alpha weekend, which was very kindly paid for as I couldn't afford it at the time. I'm now in a position where I'd love to help anyone who is in the same position I was. Please let me know if I can help. I love that. This guy received a free ticket, and now he's earning a bit more, and he wants to give it back. That's an amazing principle. In fact, on the Alpha weekend, we always have an offering, because we don't cover the costs. And we say, well, let's see if those who can afford to pay a little bit more can help pay for those who can't. It's an amazing picture of New Testament giving. 
In fact, even this week, if I'm totally honest with you, we're planning an Alpha weekend for this course. I'm so excited about this course, both online and in the building. It's going to be amazing. But we've joined in with um, four uh, churches. There was, there was five of us. And we've joined in and we decided that we were going to do this Alpha weekend together. And then I got a call uh, last week from one of them saying, we can't afford it, we're dropping out. I was like, that's okay, we can still do it. And then I got another call at the beginning of this week from another church saying, we can't afford it either, we're pulling out. And then I looked at the numbers and I thought, we can't afford to do this at all. The whole thing is collapsing. So I had to phone up the other two church leaders and say, I'm sorry, we're going to pull out. In fact, we sent an email to the site saying, we're, we're pulling out. I phoned up these two leaders, couldn't get one through to one of them, got through to the other one. I said, I'm sorry, we're pulling out. I explained why. He said, yeah, I, I, I understand, but... Would you give me just a little bit of time and come back to you? He said, hold off on that email. We'd actually sent the email already. So I was sort of wondering what happened. He called back. He said, good news. I've explained it to someone, and we have found a donor who would love to underwrite the whole weekend. We want to give you all the money that is needed for this weekend. So it's back on. Alpha Weekend is back on. Don't worry. But I love that. He voluntarily, this person said, I want to give to this. This sounds amazing. How can I help? E, enthusiastically. What you see here in Nehemiah is a bunch of people who've gone through such a tough time. Exile, rebuilding. And yet when they come to pray together, they're full of joy and excitement about what God is going to do. And they're excited to give. Paul picks this up, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. In other words, he doesn't really love begrudging, miserable givers. You do it because they have to. In other words, what God wants is your heart to overflow in love and in giving. And in fact, the word hilarion in Greek is where we get our word hilarious. He loves hilarious givers. He loves people who give and laugh at the same time and think, I don't care, just take my money. I want you to enjoy the blessing of this. You know, giving is fun. Who can you bless? And by the way, you don't have to give to this church. You might be part of another church. Give to that church. Uh, You might have to have someone who desperately needs your generosity at the moment. Give to them as well. But the the great thing is that as we begin to release the hold that money has on our hearts, we become free ourselves. We become liberated. That's what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to live freely and lightly. In Nehemiah, in this story, the people gather at a particular time in history, in a particular city, in a particular place, and they decide we're all in. I don't think you are in this city by accident. In fact, I know you're not. God has a great plan for your life. He's not put you here by accident. If you're worrying about whether you're in the right place, you are in the right place because the Lord has you here in this city for a particular reason. And I don't think you're in this church tonight or online by accident. You know, the Lord has great plans for you. But here's the challenge. What could we do together if we all pitched in? If we all said, you know what? I want to be involved. I want to sign me up. I want to make a difference to the world around me, those who have less than me. In Bristol, could we transform this city? Imagine the churches coming together. This is one of so many churches. If we all chipped in together, can you imagine the impact that we would have? We'd see hundreds of people coming to know Jesus. We'd see children lifted out of poverty, 
and churches that are threatened with closure reopening again, the hungry fed, the homeless housed, addictions broken. That's what we want to see, God's kingdom come. And so I'm saying, Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. And I want to be involved. So let's pray. Should we pray? Lord, we thank you for your immense generosity to us. Lord, thank you for all that you've given us, the breath in our lungs, the life that you've given us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for each one of us. Thank you, Lord, for all your generosity. And Lord, thank you that you love each person here. Thank you that you know our hearts. You care mostly fundamentally about our hearts and Lord we pray right now Holy Spirit would you come and fill our hearts again just encourage you in your heart you know, this is not really about St. Nick's or this church it's about you and God and I encourage you just in your heart to open your heart afresh to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to give you my heart again. Maybe you feel you've drifted away from the Lord. He's right here to welcome you back. He loves you. He cares for you. He's got a great plan for you for this year. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit and that you would speak to us. And I just, I'd love to encourage you just to open your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want me to respond? What can I give? And again, it doesn't really matter. It might be tiny. It might be enormous. It doesn't really matter. What matters is your heart. So Lord, we, we offer you ourselves. We pray, Lord, that you would take each one of us, fill us, use us. And Lord, we want to bless this city. We want to bless the people around us. We want to see your kingdom come. We pray that we would see that this year, in Jesus' name, amen.